With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, welcome to Out of the Blue, a podcast that has been mentioned by every one of my family members at least once in casual conversation. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of mazeandbrew.com, my hetero life mate. Andy, how the hell are you, my friend? I'm good. Uh, my family members also mention the podcast on occasion, and the more racist ones say it's not enough for them, so I'm sorry. Well, we're no Alex Jones, but we do like to yell at the uh, at the computer from time to time. Uh, you know, it's good to be recognized, even if it's just at family reunions and by racist uncles. Yeah, we you know, we take what we can get at this point. If someone says anything, I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, no, you shut your damn mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you shut your damn mouth and you listen. This is out of the blue. <laughs> Uh, good to be back. Kind of a, a slow sports week unless you're watching the NBA playoffs, which I am. Denver Nuggets and the Avs, if you're watching the NHL playoffs. Uh, been enjoying that. So really uh, still a pretty good sports month. Uh, you've been following along NBA, NHL, both, none of the above? Uh, both, more um, NHL for the most part. It's been really good. Um, in the second round, there's two game sevens. One's going on right now. Um had a big week at Cinco de Mayo with boxing, some UFC fights. So it's been a lucrative sports time. You've got to enjoy it before we get into the dull drums of late June. The darkness is coming. Um, the night is dark and full of terrors. And if you were a well-rounded individual, you would also watch Game of Thrones. But one day we'll, uh, we'll remove that stick from your ass and get you hooked on that show so that you can I have enjoy. enough Starbucks cups around my own home. I don't need them on my TV show. <laughs> <laughs> But, yes, the NBA and NHL have been great. Uh, my Pistons didn't really stand much of a chance, but what teams are left at least is competitive, so that's a nice change of pace. Uh, but there has been some college football news as well. Uh, the number one piece of news to come out would definitely be the transfer of Brandon Peters. Uh, we were kind of expecting it, kind of surprised it took this long, but uh, what are your thoughts on this, and, uh, and you think it's a good move for him or, or what? I'm very surprised it took this long. I thought this would have came last year when Shea came to town and he started to slide down the depth chart. Um, now with Cade McNamara, just felt like an in inevitability. He was never going to see the field at Michigan. Um, it seemed like he wanted to get his degree, though, because he finished up. He's a grad transfer now, and he has two years remaining of eligibility. Um, good on him. He deserves to play somewhere. Um, he's more than a competent quarterback. I think he needs to get his confidence back first and foremost. But he'll be a fit. He can definitely contribute. If Alex Hornibrook can play football in this century, Brandon Peters can play football. Yeah, if whoever was throwing passes for Michigan State 
last year is still on a roster, Brandon Peters can definitely play football. Um, and Ricky, Ricky or something, Rocky, that's who it was. That, apparently that's a person and not the name of a dog that came from a, a kill rescue, rescue center, but whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is a good move for Brandon Peters. Uh, you know, we were really high on him coming in, didn't really pan out, took some lumps when he came in, got injured, um, after really showing some signs against, uh, Rut, not Rutgers, um, who did he come in against? And he had a full, full week and then Wisconsin, he went out injured. Was it Minnesota? Might've been Minnesota. But yeah, he, he had some impressive performances. We were really high on his potential. Um, his potential was nowhere near that of Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton. Um, but, you know, this was Harbaugh's first guy. You know, we all wanted to get behind him. We were all rooting for him, still are rooting for him. And I think this is going to be a good move for him because the writing was kind of on the wall uh, with Joe Milton getting in a couple times last year. I think that pretty much sealed the deal, which is why I'm surprised it took this long. But this is probably the best move for Brandon Peters. Um, where do you think he could go? What do you think is like some potential landing spots you think he could thrive in? Yeah, so I mean, there's kind of two two schools of thoughts here, and two ways he can go with it. He could stick around in the MAC and be, without a doubt, the best option on a team. I mean, he's very talented still. I mean, he's a big kid. He's got a cannon of an arm. Uh, definitely looks like he always woke up from a nap, but I'm not going to knock him for that. Uh, I, I think that he could go that route, but I'd like to see him try and go make it at a Power Five program. Uh, Michigan would block it, but man, like you said, he'd be such an upgrade at Wisconsin where they're just kind of a quarterback away from being a really good team. Uh, we would and should block that, like I said, but I'd rather see him go somewhere there like a Cal or or something like that. I don't know. What about you? Did you have any place in mind that you think might be a good fit for him? I think any quarterback now should be on the lookout to just go learn from Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. <laughs> Jalen Hurts is in town, but you know we'll see how that goes. Um I'd like your thoughts, though, with Cal, like a Pac-12 school where you can really air the ball out. Maybe a smaller um, school like an AAC school, somebody th- uh, like SMU, somebody like that. Um, it's really interesting, though, who, who needs a quarterback. Um, Ohio State really needs a quarterback because Justin Fields has no competition, and he's one hit away from going down the chugs. So it would never happen. He would, have, he would be blocked. He would lose a year of eligibility. So I think it's going to be a small school, but, I mean, I never thought Greg Madison would go to Ohio State either. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely never know. That would feel uh, like it was more just trying to be be personal, not professional decision there. But, yeah, I like what you're saying, maybe like an SMU or what about a school like a TCU, a team that, you know, is perennially perennially competitive or like a Utah um, that feels like – UCF. Yeah, UCF or a team like that that's kind of middle tier. Uh, They're going to be in the top 25, and, you know, they don't necessarily get four or five-star quarterback recruits. So that could be interesting. Um, I'd like to see him go somewhere and succeed. You know, I was pulling for Wilton Spade at UCLA. didn't really pan out. Uh, but there's no reason to have any, you know, ill will towards Brandon Peters. No, I was pulling for Shane O'Mac when he went to CMU. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shane Morris. My goodness, I'm glad we've moved on. I've kind of uh, just neglected to remember him. He he no longer has a spot in my memory. <laughs> uh, you mentioned something earlier, him being one of Harbaugh's first guys, and. Uh, I wanted to bring up this point. I think it's interesting that a lot of people just consider that in recruiting, you know, Harbaugh's recruiting quarterbacks, bringing in his guy. And I think also uh, one of Harbaugh's biggest strengths is bringing in the big transfer quarterback. Like his two most successful, I think equally counters recruiting, have been Jake Rudock, uh, now Shea Patterson. I mean, he's got his guys on the roster as well. But I think those uh, transfer moves are sometimes just overlooked. It's like, yeah, he got them, but they're not his. But it's like, nah, he, he brought them there. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, we're in year five, and he still hasn't really started one of his guys. Uh, they've been transfers, but like you said, they are still his guys because he went yeah. out and recruited him. He got him. I mean, it's just because they didn't start there doesn't mean they're any less Harbaugh's guys. I mean, Shea Patterson's going to be remembered as a Michigan man, not an Ole Miss rebel. No, not at all. No, I mean, he's definitely a Michigan man. Jake Rudock, dad Michigan Rudock, man. came in yeah. balling. Michigan man in Miami now. Um so, yeah, I, I think he does deserve credit there. And to his defense, he has three, I mean, studs on his team that he recruited now with Run DMC, Joe Milton, and the best name of all time, Cade McNamara. Yeah. I don't know about best name of all time. Best quarterback name, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a 
quarterback recruit recruit coming in this year named General Booty. So, not to he's, Michigan. He, he's in the wrong profession. Like he should be a DJ or something. Pornography. <laughs> so you were a great pornographer. You can't cut it on this program. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, another interesting tidbit that came out while we're talking transfers and while it's fresh on my mind here is Benjamin St. Just, uh, initially sounded like he was going to be getting a medical hardship waiver. Now he is transferring. Uh, do you have, what is this about? Like, let's speculate, speculate wildly on this. Is, is Benjamin St. Just good to go and just couldn't cut it? Uh, he seems to be in good academic standing. I'm, I'm very confused by this move. Um, to sum it up in three words, um, what the hell? <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I When this news broke today, I'm like, what is going on? Like, this raises serious concerns with, like, communication in and out of the program. Why wasn't this clarified months ago when it was announced that he had the hardship? Didn't he post something on Twitter that he was, like, stepping away from football and would always love it? I thought I saw something like that. It seemed pretty cut and dry that this was not to do with anything that he did wrong, but was something medically or he wasn't going to be able to continue to play football. Now it comes out that he's transferring, and that's after we lose Spider Sims. So we just lost two of our big pieces in the in the cornerback in the backfield there. Uh, I'm I'm a little concerned myself. It's just so it's beyond strange. Um, as of now, he deleted anything that was on there, but it says four hours ago, officially transferring from Michigan as a grad student with three years of eligibility remaining. Uh, so I'm just at a loss. Like, what happened? Yeah, I, I don't really get it. I mean, he was in line to play is kind of what surprises me. I mean, Vincent Gray kind of stepped up and took the, the nickel spot, but Benjamin St. Just is, I mean, he's like 6'2 or 6'3". He's huge. 6'3", big kid, and he flashed the 27th spring game as a, as a, as a young kid. So I'm just I'm, – I'm shocked, man. I, I don't know what to say. I need more information before I can really just, like, have one, like, take me either way. But I'm just at a loss. Like, what the hell? I'm very confused myself, and, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the cornerback depth chart is, but that's not really going to answer it because maybe they were higher up on the depth chart – Maybe it's just that they're really high on somebody else, and we haven't been hearing a lot about it. Um, you know, maybe it's Andre Selden or, or one of those guys in there is is really hitting it off. And I, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, all of a sudden, cornerback, which was one of our deepest position groups, looks to be one of our thinnest right there with linebackers. So how, how things can change so quickly in the offseason when seemingly it, it shouldn't seem like we'd be losing anybody right now. Um, you know, unless it was to transfers, um, or excuse me, to injuries. And now we've got two guys transferring out. All of a sudden, we're really thin. So it's how quickly it changes. Thing changes so fast, man. I just need some more clarity. Uh, very interesting. And also to speculate wildly, Tariq Black posted a picture from inside Michigan's athletic facilities the other day. So he's not in South Africa. Uh, not everybody goes. Yeah, why? Why wouldn't you want to go to South Africa though? Um, you want to go? I think some people like want to go see their family. Is is the difference? But if Tariq Black's in the facility, that's kind of maybe he has to be around for school. I mean, school's still in session. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna read too much into that. I've got enough on my plate without worrying about Tariq Black's eligibility. <laughs> got, once this happened, it starts to snowball and just spirals like mentally, like, oh, who's next? What's going on? Um, Speaking of that, who do you think could be on transfer watch? Hmm. Uh, uh, I hate to, to think about it. I shudder to think about it. But we'll see what goes on with that quarterback room. Uh, somebody's going to be the odd man out next year, and Joe Milton might not be cool with waiting for three years to get his shot. So that concerns me. Um, hopefully they find enough ways to get him on the field early and get all of them on the field. That, that's very difficult. So they've got a little bit of a logjam there at quarterback. Um, after that, a guy like Oliver Martin might be getting pushed out a little bit. Uh, we're hearing a lot about Ronnie Bell and Mike Sainristrill, and we've seen it out of both of them. Uh, it's going to be tough to get those guys off the field, and there's only so many reps in the slot, and I don't think Oliver Martin could move outside. Ronnie Bell theoretically could, but uh, yeah, Oliver Martin might be getting uh, getting pushed down the depth chart here, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, you, you nailed my two. They were going to be one receiver – and it was going to be the quarterbacks. That uh, just the gap between McCaffrey and Milton—it's very small. And it's like, 
I don't know if Milton's going to want to wait. I just don't know if he's going to want to sit around. And it really sucks because I think both of them are great talents. You know, best man's got to win. Yeah, I mean, we've only got room for one starter, uh, but we definitely have room to keep them both on the team, and that's the ideal scenario. But with Shea coming back for one more year, uh, do you secretly wish Shea would have gone pro this year and, and run DMC? I mean, I guess it won't be secret since it's going to be on our podcast, but is, is that something like an internal discussion you've had? I mean, of course I have. I mean, we debated this in our spring game draft. I was just fine with um, Dylan McCaffrey running this offense this year. I've been happy with it. But Shea Patterson's back, and to give him a fair shake, he was efficient last year, and now he has Josh Gaddis. So a lot of things could be different. So before you get final judgment, but no, nah, I wouldn't have missed him that much. I mean, I got a found room. But also, Quinn Nordine, he's a, he can transfer, and I would throw a parade and pack his bags. Who is that? I've never heard the name. Let's move on. <laughs> He's hanging out with Ian Bunting somewhere. <laughs> he and Ian Bunting are kicking back the bush lights somewhere behind a blimpies. <laughs> um, but uh, all right, well, let's move on. We wanted to uh, we wanted to try something different here. You know, we were talking about all the the transfers and you know people that Harbaugh's brought in and kids going elsewhere and having success. And it's almost like a low key free agent market. So we kind of wanted to take that a little further and talk about some trades that we'd like to see. And uh, for these trades, what the aim was is trades that you could make that make us put us over the top for this year. What are three trades you could make that you think would make this Michigan team a playoff contender? So, uh, yeah, there weren't any rules other than, uh, you know, both both parties have to agree that it makes sense. You know, obviously none of the Quinn Nordeen for, you know, Tua Tagalaivoa. That's not probably not going to cut it. Uh, but. A plus pronunciation. <laughs> Accepted. Ooh, that was that was clean. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, these kind of trades have to make sense, be logical. Nothing that just benefits Michigan and like you know just dampens the other team. Like you said, none of that. No Steven Spinellas for Trevor Lawrence here. Man, well, we don't need another damn quarterback. We we have other <laughs> needs. All of a sudden, cornerbacks. So. But I like where your head's at. I would certainly not say no to Trevor Lawrence with the beautiful flowing locks. What a guy, dude. What a guy. What a quarterback mutant. Do <laughs> yeah. um, you want to go first trade? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll get us started off. So uh, first trade that I went in and looked at, the position that I wanted to address was linebacker. Uh, you know, we've talked about it in a couple pods here. Uh, we are pretty thin at linebacker, and that's assuming that we get quality minutes out of Cam McGrone and Jordan Anthony this year, and we haven't seen anything from them. So that's a position to keep an eye on, so I wanted to bolster that depth. And I went to the team that has the most depth in the nation at linebacker this year, Alabama, who is loaded at linebacker again. Um, and I went after their third best linebacker, Terrell Lewis. The dude, 6'5", 254, outside linebacker, weak side defensive end, so he could kind of slide in where Uche is. And Uche is going to move around a lot anyway, so that would give us some versatility, some position versatility, a big body that can rush the passer from the linebacker position. Um, that frees up other guys to move around, and we can put Jordan Anthony maybe where Devin Bush was last year. Um, you know, maybe he's a little faster, maybe it's McGrone. But regardless, it gives us flexibility. It's a position in need, and in order to get him, I gave up Quinn Nordine and Nick Eubanks. Okay. Does that seem, seem acceptable? That seems acceptable for a third third linebacker in Alabama. Yeah, he, um, he'll be their third linebacker. Thought process behind it is uh, they don't have a leg talent like Quinn Nordeen, um, and he might just need a change of scenery after really being shook at Michigan. Um, and they're going to be in a lot more tight games with LSU, Georgia, and A&M now being competitive. Um, and they've notoriously not had the best kickers. So it might be worth a flyer on him. And Nick Eubanks to come in and replace Irv Smith Jr. Nick Eubanks has some Noah Fant-like potential so they might see that as a great target for uh what's already a loaded wide receiver group um and to a tiger level would love nick eubanks so now people are gonna think we shared notes but i also orchestrated a trade involving quinn nordine for an alabama linebacker jesus no we did not discuss this at all leading up to uh, this but i mean there's a reason that we're on the same podcast sir i went <coughs> After Anthony Jennings, I went for one of their better linebackers, yeah. former offensive lineman, by the way. Wow. We recruited as a freshman. Um, last season, finished with 50 tackles, 13 for loss, five and a half sacks, 
one pick, and one touchdown off the fumble. So he was all over the place. He's 6'3", 260. This is a very large man. I want him in the middle. I want him helping out Josh Ross in there as a really big run stopper because I'm, I worry about Michigan stopping the run some this year, especially if they go smaller inside with Carlo Kemp. And obviously this is a big ask because Anthony Jennings is a very highly touted linebacker. So I'm giving up Quinn Nordine and I'm giving up Tariq Black. Oof. Yeah, I was going to say, you better give up somebody pretty big. Uh, I'll accept that. I mean, if you're going to say that I'm good with Nordine and Eubanks, then I would say that Tariq Black is the necessary step up. The one thing I would push back on is I don't think they necessarily have a need at wide receiver. Uh, they've yeah, got, they have Judy and all of them. And what is it, Marlon Ruggs is a younger guy. They're loaded. I mean, they're loaded almost everywhere. They probably wouldn't do a trade with anyone. Uh, but the Quinn Nordine one makes sense because that is something that they're lacking. And Tariq Black, I mean... Can you have too many good wide receivers? Exactly, especially the offense they're running. Everybody's getting a little taste of the ball. Somebody this highly touted and the rate they churn out linebackers, I feel like losing one like this, reliable kicking, another big weapon, they can do it. Reliable kicking? Did you just say that on this podcast? I'm trying to sell it to them, damn Leave. it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a car salesman. Yeah, because Nick Saban's listening to this podcast. Like, you know what? These boys are onto something. Yeah, they're, they're really thinking. They're thinking, you know, really forward here with that Quinn Nordine yeah. fella. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta make some calls. <laughs> all right, what's your next trade? All right, next trade here, man. I hope we didn't get all of the exact same trades. That's gonna be unfortunate. Uh, so for my next trade, um, you know, came up with this today, and that was after the St. Just news. So I wanted to go get a cornerback. Uh, that's gonna be pretty important. All of a sudden, we're painfully thin there, and outside of Lavert Hill, we don't really know what we're getting. Uh, we have kind of an idea what we're gonna get in Ambry Thomas, and very high on him. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I want some insurance there. Uh, so I targeted Mark Gilbert, cornerback out of Duke. He's listed as one of the top 20 prospects at corner. He's 6'1", 175, got the height that they're looking for. Runs a 4'5", 640, projected a, as a fourth rounder next year. Uh, his stats from last year, uh, he had not a ton of tackles last year. I think he was injured last year. But the year before, 35 tackles, 15 passes defense, 6 interceptions. Uh, in 2017, coming off an injury, so another guy that I think they might be willing to part with because of that injury, uh, in order to go get Gilbert from Duke, and once again, Duke's like not going to really be fighting for anything this year, so they might be a little bit more willing to give up one player for some depth, so I gave them a player that can help this year in True Wilson, I gave them Oliver Martin, who we said might be getting worked out, so that gives them a young prospect there, and I gave them another young prospect in Mike Morris, strong side defensive end recruit freshman this year. Big kid, um, four-star guy on most recruiting sites. Ton of potential. Probably a better option than a lot of the, what they have on Duke. So now they've got you know a wide receiver, a pretty good building block on the defensive end, and True Wilson to help this year for a cornerback helps us out, gives us some depth. I like it. Definitely accept that trade. It's good pick, good value. Both sides get a little bit better. Um, running back depth getting a little thin though. Losing True, no Chris Evans, no True Wilson. Well, I have a third trade. Ah, as do I, sir. But this second one for me, um, I also went corner. I mean, we both kind of know what needs we have. Yeah. Um, I Once again, I targeted very high. Like, I'm selling out for this season. I don't care if Michigan go wins eight and nine games the next two years until, like, another cycle comes through. I want to win now. Uh, Michigan has a plethora of weapons on the on the uh, on pass rushing. So I'm getting rid of Luigi Villain, Andrew Stuber, and I'm going after C.J. Henderson, a corner from Florida. So they're getting a they're getting a potential starting right tackle, a defensive end to kind of replace Jakai Polite. There, you always need a reliable tackle in this game. You can only be one hit away. Um, even if that wasn't enough for you, I was going to throw in a pick to be named later, top 150 protected for him. So a pick to be named? What are we picking in the draft now? Oh, like hey, a recruit just, to be yeah, named a later? Recruit, a recruit to be named <laughs> later. I'll throw, I'll throw top 150 protected. <laughs> yeah, throw in some cash consideration. I thought about it, that or a Coke machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll throw in J.R. Smith and a Kia Fiat. <laughs> as, long as, as long as Quinn Nordine's in the Fiat. Yeah, yeah. Quinn Nordine's already off the team, sir. He was trade number one. Uh, I like that. I really like that. I like that, yeah, you're selling out for this year. Um, I went a little bit more conservative, but I like how you're doing it. Because if we really want to compete with the big dogs, we got to get elite talent. Um, and that means an elite talent to line up next to Levert Hill and uh, just play every Thomas as needed. Love the pick. And, uh, you know, I think you gave up enough there. So I'm fine with it. Awesome. Henderson's big. He's 6'1", 190. 
and he likes to play and run coverage. He had 38 tackles last year, five for loss, and three sacks. So he is physical, likes to hit. Um, He only had two picks this year, this past year in 2017 in nine games. He had four picks and two touchdowns. I like it, though. We're, uh, we both had the same idea. We need a game changer somewhere in the secondary that can get some turnovers. We both kind of were looking for the same thing. It's more or less, we're just looking for some like assure, like something to assure us that we're going to be okay. We need the assurance. Like Vincent Gray could be a baller. We don't, but we don't know this yet. We need. We're making trades right now. We need somebody that can step in, make an impact, and maybe fill some potential voids we see. Yeah. No, I like it. I mean, and once again, we did not compare notes, and we both you know, address the weaknesses systematically. Um, and that brings us to our next probably position in need. Um, and I, I targeted a running back, especially after get, getting rid of True Wilson, which is difficult to do, but I could see True Wilson losing a lot of touches anyway as the season goes on to Christian Turner and Charbonnet and guys like that. Um, and then I'm going to go out and get a guy that I know is going to go get touches. And I'm going to go after A.J. Dillon, the man that should have been a Wolverine all the damn long uh, and I'm going to go get him out of Boston College. I mean, ran for over 1,000 yards both of his first two, two seasons, 10 touchdowns last year. I mean, he's an absolute dog. I uh, love the way he runs. Harbaugh would love the way he runs. He's a guy that you can give 20 carries to a game, and he's going to be absolutely fine with that. And then you bring in Christian Turner and Charbonnet as change of pace guys. Maybe Chris Evans comes back. All of a sudden, that back, backfield is dangerous. But to get him, this hurt. I had to give up Joe Milton, one for one. Oh, you really think they'd buy that, though? A third-string quarterback for their workhorse running back? For Joe Milton, they might. I mean, this guy could – Boston College never had anybody like Joe Milton there. That would absolutely change their program. Um, Boston College could be pretty good this year, though, so they might not go for it because they're also, like, shooting for pretty big goals this year. Uh, But at the same time, Joe Milton is a guy that I I don't think they could pass on – and if, if they didn't like that, I could sweeten the deal. I'll give them uh, Kurt Taylor. Is he still on the team? <laughs> no, hard work somewhere else now. <laughs> uh, then I will give them who's behind Christian Turner. Zach Charbonnet? No. <laughs> Can I give him Chris Evans even though he's technically not on the team? Yeah, Chris Evans, presuming he's on the team. If he's not there, it's like you, know, you have to pass the physical to be traded. If he's not on the team, then deal's off. Okay, then deals off. Then Joe Milton and Chris Evans for A.J. Dillon. Okay, I like it. And uh, I also thought about him. I thought about uh, Eno, who ended up going Eno Benjamin, ended up going to Arizona State, mm-hmm. was also in Michigan consideration at one time. Um, no, I'm not. This is the not fucking around crew. Okay, <laughs> we're winning a national title. And with this player, I almost just needed this one trade. That's how confident I am in this back. Whoa. Yes. Durability explosiveness, I mean, everything you want in a running back. And this is who I'm giving up for him. I'm giving up Christian Turner. I'm giving up Steven Spinellis. I'm giving up Shea Patterson. And I'm getting Jonathan Taylor. Whoa. It's got to be a big trade for a big player. And I think that does it. That helps Wisconsin jumpstart the rebuild. Gives them a suitable young running back in the backfield because, I mean, you're only going to get Jonathan Taylor for one more year before he leaves. Yeah. You get a competent quarterback to play, and you jumpstart the offensive line rebuild because I believe they just lost four or five starters. Wow. I like it. I probably would not have given up Shea Patterson and gone after somebody a little bit less. I mean, because I know we're very high on McCaffrey and Milton. But we also haven't seen them start. A big part of the reason that I'm confident that my additions are going to help my team is because I know what I'm getting from Shea Patterson, the most efficient quarterback at Michigan since 2000. So that's, man, I love the balls of it, though. I love it. Jonathan Taylor is a true freshman. 1,900 rushing yards, averaged almost seven a carry. As a sophomore, knowing he's there in one last game, just under 2,200 yards and over seven yards a carry. That's all I need. I'm fine with this. <laughs> Nothing I, else matters. Dylan McCaffrey is more than suitable. We saw what he did in limited time against Notre Dame in a high-pressure situation. Another year under his belt. If he can reverse pivot and hand the ball off, baby, we're going to Sizzler and we're going to the college football playoff. <laughs> Book it. 
Yeah, I mean, plus you still got Chris Evans, Charbonnet. So I mean, you're plenty. I would deep not there. give up Charbonnet. I was like, there's no way I'm giving up Charbonnet. You can't give up Charbonnet. There's just no way. That's the future there. Um, yeah, I mean, in some ways, I like it more than mine because I don't want to give up Milton. But like we were saying earlier, Milton could be the odd man out anyway. So I, I wanted to keep Shea for this run. And if Shea's not working, then I still have Run DMC. Neither of us were willing to give up Run DMC. Uh, that that makes a ton of sense. Uh, if you were to do a fourth trade, what position would you target? Um, maybe either left tackle or defensive tackle. I think it would be one of those two because the one defensive tackle depth gets real thin with Dwum four kind of up in the air. Then you got Donovan Jeter coming in, and then you have um, Ben Mason also getting reps in there. It's like ah, might need somebody else to really hold the middle. And then uh, left tackle wise, like you know, we have some good tackles in place. Like you know, you got Mayfield, Stuber, these guys. But it's like, I feel like I want maybe a little more assurance. I don't need to trade for like a big guy, like a high profile starter, but maybe like, you know, a young recruit that's been buried on the depth chart somewhere, take a flyer on him. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. I mean, you could target one of the big guys like that uh, Stanford tackle, Walker Little or whatever his name yeah. is. I mean, he's a highly coveted prospect, but then you're going to have to give up a lot more and you don't want to give up too much more than what we already gave in these, so... Yeah, I, w- I like it. I might shoot. Uh, I might shoot for a tackle as well. That way, you could kick Runyon over to right, where yeah. I think he projects a little better. So that 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 would be a good option. I thought maybe about tight end because I like our tight end room. I don't love it, um, but going to get a tight end and giving up much, unless I could do a tight end for a tight end or something, um, and then give him some young recruit that we don't think is going to play really. I, I don't really want to mess with that room too much. And defensive tackle makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's just that they feel so weary about the depth there. Defensive end, we're always going to have pass rushers. It feels like that well's not running dry anytime soon. Um, receivers are deep. Running backs are, are getting deeper. Kind of may, maybe add depth there if you don't want to go for a big star. Um, but everyone else is pretty good. Maybe add another safety because Metellus will be gone after next year. And right now we got uh, Dax Hill, um, JKP, Jameric Woods. Maybe yeah. add somebody there. Yeah, that's, that's like, not bad. Yeah, not 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 too bad everywhere else. Yeah, um, I mean the running back one's interesting because you say those names and it's like, oh yeah, we should be good there. Charbonnet's injured. Evans isn't on the team. Uh, we didn't see much Christian Turner in the spring game. Uh, it's basically True Wilson and some guy whose name I couldn't even pronounce. So uh, submarine, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. But yeah, I mean I like that we both went for durable guys that you know you could ride all season. That's that's something Michigan doesn't necessarily have right now. No, I mean, no. I'm not even going to say it doesn't necessarily have. Michigan does not have that right now. No, don't have the workhorse. And I think it's really funny. We targeted the exact same three positional groups right after them. Yeah, in order, too. That's the order that I had them on mine. I was like, well, first things first, I need a pass rushing linebacker. <laughs> oh, man. Good draft. I think both our teams got better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, we turned that into a draft. Coaches. We turned everything into. To a draft, I swear to God, dude. <laughs> That's what we're going to do all summer long. Yeah, just draft shit. <laughs> all right. Uh, who do you got for special teams coordinator? <laughs> go through my list here. <laughs> I, had to, I had to, Google didn't even have these names. I had to go deep. I had to, tr- I had to go to Ole Miss and ask who their special teams coordinator was. Well, this guy was a pedophile in 84, but. <laughs> got him at a discount. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for the sports section. We're going to do a little entertainment section, but first we're going to take a quick break. Be back right after that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and we are back on Out of the Blue, finishing up with our trademark entertainment discussion. Always got to keep it random. Tonight is no different. Tonight we are talking secondary characters that came in and absolutely stole the show. Uh, Andy, you want to talk through the criteria on this one? It's very simple. We're talking not a lead character, not the protagonist, maybe not even the main antagonist if they're on screen for a substantial amount of time. Now, it's a side character that steals the show. Plain and simple. It could be... He's on screen for 10 minutes or maybe half an hour, maybe more than that. We can debate through that and see if he's really a side character or the focus is more on him. It's very hard to call like Heath Ledger's Joker a side character yeah. because he's on screen way too much. So yeah. we can talk through it, but I think most people got the understanding. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I trust you on this one, but if you've got anything that's too questionable, I'll call you out and please do the same. I got you, brother. He takes it off. Uh, all right, so first one I wanted to go with is uh, I wanted to go with something that a lot of people have seen to kind of set the, the tone here of what we think a secondary character is. And I went with one of my favorite movies by one of my favorite directors with most of my favorite actors, Inception. Uh, the characters of Eames and Arthur. So this is actually a twofer. Both come in and steal the show, and that would be Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tom Hardy's characters. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is unquestioned the lead in that role, in that movie. And uh, I think that these guys come in and bring some levity to the movie that's much needed. Uh, all the clever lines come from Tom Hardy or Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, the style of both of them, I mean, they are just dressed to the nines. Uh, you get Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the hallway, kind of the... Uh, the, the coup de grace of that movie, the, the most iconic scene is that hallway scene fight, and that's Joseph Gordon-Levitt, not Leonardo DiCaprio. And, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is the emotional star of that movie, but those dudes, I enjoy them the most, and I think they came in and, and really took that movie up a notch. Yeah, there's no denying Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, he leads this movie, he carries this movie. Every No, you're not going to, you know, act Leonardo DiCaprio off the screen by any means. But Christopher Nolan, the way he and his brother wrote those side characters and what they brought to the role specifically, like you said, they're just dripping in this role with just manliness, just some swag, subtle. I mean, just, oh, my God, they're fantastic. Uh, Tom Hardy especially. Oh, I know yeah. that's your boy. Oh, yeah. But just the don't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. Yep. Just all, all his little quips. But their chemistry back and forth is what really makes it good. Yep. The banter with um, – Oh, thank you for joining us, Arthur. Stuff like that. It's yes. just really good little shot, dude. It's no, that's a great one. Tom Hardy, especially. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He has a lot of screen time, but I'm with you. He's definitely supporting in this one. And that hallway fight scene, just the fact how they shot that is just like it's incredible. Yeah, I'll watch it if it's on right now. I mean, I'm gonna leave the podcast and go watch it. And we'll come back and, and finish this up. But it's uh, yeah. I mean, and I, I'd watch that one pretty much dozens of times in a row and still don't get sick of it, so that one sticks for me, and the characters stick as well. I like it. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go with a character that was only on screen for two scenes. One, most people remember, the second one more towards the end. I'm going with Will Ferrell and Wedding Crashers. Ah, He's great. On screen for maybe four or five minutes, but the one scene he's in, you walk away, and that's the first line you're quoting with your friends. Like, it is just iconic, the, what he brings to it. And it all feels improvised, and knowing Farrell, it probably was. But um, one of my favorite cameo performances completely steals the movie at the end. You're absolutely right. He's the most quotable uh, idiot. Good. Good. More, <laughs> more for you and me, right? Just all the mannerisms, the tones, the way he speaks. The, so the, good. The meatball. Oh, I need to take a picture. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> idiot. Oh, man. Yeah. Iconic. Yeah, it is iconic. And, uh, you know, I guess a cameo really is stealing the the show. I mean, even if it is just designed to be a cameo, which is a little bit different than being a supporting role, if you come in and steal the show, you come in and steal the show. And he does in that movie. It's in a very funny movie, probably the funniest part, especially because it was very unexpected for a lot of yeah. us at the time. 
Yeah, and especially at that time in the movie, it's been a darker tone. It's kind of sad. And then uh, Owen Wilson's character's kind of spiraling, and he goes to Chaz's house, and you're like, oh, who's this? And then Will Ferrell pops on screen at the height of Will Ferrell. Yeah, that's peak Will Ferrell. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the funniest part of the movie. Vince Vaughn would take that that cake. I mean, he's got a couple lines in there that are funniest, but, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right in your call. I've got no complaints with it. Uh, moving on to my next one. I also went with a comedy. I like where your head's at comedy. I think there's a lot of them. Uh, if we really yeah. went into this, I guarantee we could come up with a ton for comedies. Uh, but I went with, uh, uncle Eddie from Christmas vacation. Uh, that would be Randy Quaid comes in. Certainly not the lead. That is Chevy Chase's movie. Um, and I never thought Chevy Chase was really that funny. He's kind of just like the straight man. He's got a, some funny movies and some funny roles, but, uh, Randy Quaid comes in. All of the quotes come from Randy Quaid. Um, just a colorful character in, uh, you know, the rest of the characters, you know, they're, they're good, but they're a little more straight laced. And then he, this guy comes in and completely steals the screen. I watch it every Christmas and I laugh my ass off about that dude every single time. And I'm pretty sure he's, uh, right now living under someone's basement uh, or illegally or in a sewer, something like that. <laughs> I think so too. Uh, this is also a Christmas staple in my household and I loved it so much as a child and was quoting it even the more profane moments um, Chevy Chase might have the most quotable line though with his rant that ends in where's the Tylenol <laughs> everything Uncle Eddie says is pure gold it's just an iconic line after iconic line it's really funny and the draw he's delivering it in um, no man Excellent choice. I mean, this is a movie that lives in the homes of almost every American, and if it doesn't, it damn well should. <laughs> Agreed, sir. All right, hit me with the next one. Next one? All right, I'm going with um, another comedy, as most of my list is. Um, I'm going with a woman that just kills me every time and was actually nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, and it's Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids. Ooh. Um, comes on the screen like I mean just like a ball of energy every line she says I find myself quoting them and not even knowing it like oh there it is it can go up even <laughs> even further and higher and just <laughs> oh my everything she says man the scene on the airplane I could watch a hundred times a week um, the movie is filled with I mean hilarious women and she just shines above them in every scene Great choice, especially since for me, that was my first introduction to her. She'd definitely been around. I hadn't seen her in much. And uh, when I saw her, I was like, this is the funniest woman alive. Like, yeah. that's what I felt about her at that point. I was like, she is murdering this role. And now, yeah, Academy Award nominated actress. She's definitely shown what she's got outside of that role. But iconic and incredibly quotable. And certainly not the main. Certainly not the lead. So that, that, that qualifies. To you, sir. Uh, this one is one in a movie that I don't even really necessarily like, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, especially since it beat out Saving Private Ryan for Best Picture at the Oscars. But Dame Judi Dench comes on screen in Shakespeare in Love. She has eight minutes of screen time as Queen Elizabeth and absolutely destroys it. Won the Academy Award. Maybe the most famous screen-stealing moment, so I had to at least bring it up. It's not one that I'm super proud of. But at the same time, I think it needs to be discussed. And it is an incredible performance. To win an Academy Awards with eight, eight, eight minutes of screen time, like, I mean, you got to be doing something right. My wife is somewhere slow clapping like the gift from Rudy right now because she loves that movie. But all I will say is that movie does have Ben Affleck in it, and it makes no sense. Yeah. But, um, yes, heating performance. I mean, she comes in like Eric Gagne in 03, throws a couple quick pitches, gets the strikeouts, walks off like a winner. What a comparison. <laughs> Judy Dench to Eric Gagne? I never thought I'd hear it. Out of the blue. <laughs> well um, my next one, I was going to go with Christopher Walken and Catch Me If You Can, but he's too centralized. Yeah, I, He's too much of a character. So I went with Christopher Walken in Pulp Fiction. He's in it for one scene, to talk to young Bruce Willis nice. about hiding a watch up his ass. And <laughs> several characters stand out, but every time I rewatch this movie, I go through it and I'm like, Holy Christopher Walken really just say all this? And it just absolutely blows me away. You could take a ton of performances from this movie, but it's hard to really find a true supporting one. And I think he's one of the rare breeds in that one. Yeah, he definitely is. Not a main guy. Comes in, has the one speech, stuck in the only place I could, up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just so absurd. It's completely absurd. I'm like, you got Christopher Walken for this? Yeah. He just volunteers to do it. And I'm like, 
It's so great. Like, he delivers it so seriously. Yeah. No, and then he's just gone, and you don't see him again. Plays no other role in the movie. No, I'm really glad he survived being a POW and took a watch up his ass, but (laughs) thanks, Chris, for walking. Uh, I've got an honorable mention for you. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Big Lebowski. Oh, I... I raise you, Philip Seymour Hoffman, in any movie he's supporting, <laughs> mainly Along Came Polly, Twister, um, Mission Impossible yep. 3. Yep. I mean, this is what made him a generational town. This yep. is very much a pro Phil, <laughs> Phil oh, Hoffman podcast. We are one. We are going to change our name to the Phil Hoffman podcast, I think. Yeah, his, he was on my list twice for those. I wanted to bring up, uh, to your overall point, just everything. Even in Boogie Nights, his character is so funny, but so, like, deeply like Charming. destroyed yeah, yeah. it's just like he just conveys so many emotions like in the master he's definitely the lead but like every role he's in he just crushes even yeah. when he's supporting actor crushes it yeah no. never Great failed choice. never failed a role but that's an honorable mention my actual pick because you might push back on it because he's this is my most central character him in the next one uh dr ian malcolm played by jeff goldblum jurassic park one of my all-time favorite movies but Certainly not the lead. The lead belongs to uh, Ellie Sattler and uh, Dr. Grant. (laughs) (laughs) I shit you not. That is on my list. And also an honorable mention for Jeff Goldblum, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, man, absolutely. I mean, everyone, though. I mean, Thor crushes that role. So does uh, Taiki Watiti as the rock character. Korg. Yeah, (laughs) crushes it. Dude, Jeff Goldblum is also one of those guys that just can come in and steal some things. Like He was definitely centralized in Independence Day. But, um, yeah, in Jurassic Park, that's a lot of shit. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, com- infinitely quotable. Life uh, uh, finds a way. Yeah, just everything he does, man. Uh, absolutely great. I love the pick. Um, my next one, I have uh, – I will do want to mention, I also have John Turturro for The Big Lebowski. Great. Yep. Not going <laughs> to argue it. Anybody in that movie, I mean, every role, everybody that comes – even uh, – What's his name? Not Sam Rockwell. Uh, Sam Elliott. Yep. John Goodman. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just throwing gas. Um, I'm going to go with one of the original comedy supporting characters that just took over a movie. And you almost, almost forget he's supporting. And that's Bill Murray and Caddyshack. Wow. Yeah, that is a good one. I mean, you, he just is associated with that movie, so you don't even really think about it. Yeah, just a deep cut there, like. You feel like you forget about like the main storyline because it kind of sucks. Like Rodney Dangerfield could also be a pick for this one. Chevy Chase has some good ones, um, but Bill Murray's the winner in this. He improvises several of his lines, and you can tell. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to try the voice; it's just too immaculate to ever touch. But Bill Murray and Caddyshack, man, treasure. Yep, great choice. Uh, I love my next pick as well, and it's a trio of actors that come in uh, opposite the two leads who uh, who share the same amount of screen time about, and that's Jack Nicholson, Alec Baldwin, and Mark Wahlberg for The Departed. Jack Nicholson's pretty central to the story, but Alec Baldwin and Mark Wahlberg are not, and they nail every single line that they have. I mean, Alec Baldwin is so quotable in that movie. Patriot Act. Patriot Act! Just... <laughs> Everything he does, Wahlberg's very quotable. He's right at home playing the Boston hard, hard-nosed detective. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, I love everybody in that movie, uh, but these guys come in and just add some levity to a movie that doesn't have a lot. It's very serious stuff, but every line they hit, I laugh at. Yeah, Jack Nicholson's like not even like doing a Boston accent or Boston anything. He's just kind of like outrageous, super Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And it's like... It doesn't infuriate you. You're just like, this is kind of weird, but it's here's Jack Nicholson holding a dildo in a movie theater. I'm okay. <laughs> well, here we go. Buckle up. Yeah, it's like this one must have been like on the set of Easy Rider. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, for my next one, I thought long and hard about like mob movies. Like you could go like The Godfather. I mean, there's just The Murderer's Row. Go with any of them. But it's really hard to find something that's truly supporting that just took everything out of it. Um, you could have gone with Joe Pesci and Goodfellas, but it's like, ah, he's in that movie quite an awful lot. Um, and so I, I, it's hard to do that as well. So I went with Snatch. I went with Alan Ford and Vinnie Jones, who respectively play Brick Top and Bullet Tooth Tony. It's anytime they're on the screen, they just command the attention. Bullet Tooth Tony's on there for maybe 20 minutes. And it's just fantastic. Just all his lines when he pulls the guy in the window through the necktie and drags him down the street. Bricktop giving a speech about Nemesis. Um, oh, my God. Just 
fantastic roles. Yeah, I like the pick. That one's a little tougher, and it's definitely a gray area because they really split screen time with the main characters. Mm-hmm. Definitely Jason Statham's your is your lead, but uh, are you going to say Brad Pitt could also? I mean, because he has a ton of screen time, and he's to me the most iconic. Well, I know. go Vinnie Jones more supporting than Bricktop, just because he comes into the story late and he eg- exits abruptly. Okay, yeah, I'll buy it. I'm not going to argue that too much. Uh, great pick, great movie. Uh, I like that one more than my final pick. My final pick, another comedy role, but not necessarily a comedy movie, but I like it when a character comes in and I think when you come in and bring some humor to a movie that needs it, you really get a chance to steal the screen. It just brightens up the mood. Um, and this guy that comes in in this movie brightens up the mood and the screen in a very colorful movie, the fifth element, Chris Tucker, um, as, uh, as Ruby Rod. (laughs) Very good. I'm here for the Tucker Renaissance. He's kind of coming back around in the mainstream again. I mean, because he stepped away for a while. I believe he found God and was uh, doing just some things spiritually with himself, which is more power to you. But his early 2000s, late 90s run was just impeccable. Some of the movies were terrible. Some of them were the fifth element. Just fantastic. And uh, absolutely, man, he feels out of place, but his outrageousness makes him in place in this movie, and it's it's great. It fits. It's extremely quotable. Uh, he's there for the most memorable part of the movie. Um, so, I mean, really things kick into gear for that final act, and he's a big part of it and uh, completely over the top, and I love it. Love every second of it. That haircut, give it to me. Oh, my God. That's that is, – oh, my God. That's everything I want in life. <laughs> is that Chris Tucker haircut? <laughs> After I get a mullet first and shave it off, I need like a Yarmir Yager 1993 hockey mullet, and then I'm going to go full on Chris Tucker. I'm a man of, you know, many diverse styles. <laughs> You're going to look like a junior college art project. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> Top <laughs> you know, 10, maybe. <laughs> do you know nothing about me? <laughs> oh, oh, man, you got any more? Is that it for it? That's it for me. I was going to bring up Loki and the Avengers, but it's like, I feel like he's pretty well accepted, and there's no need to dig too deep. Yeah, no, I, 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 We want to hear from everybody else what they think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up in the comments on Facebook, whatever. Uh, we're missing a ton, uh, yeah. but hit us with some good ones, and I'll definitely, uh, we'll give credit where credit is due. Uh, but that's going to do it for us tonight. We're going to wrap it up a little shorter than normal, save my vocal cords and yours. Uh, not to mention it's, uh, it's May. There's not much going on in the world of Michigan sports, but, uh, things will start to pick up here soon. Um, you know, the, the dead period can only last so long. So, uh, anything else from you, my friend? It's the calm before the storm, my friends. Strap in. It's a long calm, but the storm is coming. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for us tonight. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, follow us, follow Maze and Brew on Spotify. Um, hit us up in the comments, all that good stuff. I'm Jared, that's Andy, this is Out of the Blue, reminding you that wherever you go, go blue.